We're going to go to the book of Deuteronomy. This is going to be, I'm just telling you from the start tonight, this is going to be just a little bit, a little bit different, but God's been, God's been talking to my heart the last couple of weeks, and I wanted to know how the Lord wanted me to present this to you. So tonight, I'm just going to do what I feel in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4. Every PCA student ought to be able to quote it tonight without even looking. Praise God. We're going to begin 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. Watch this now. He said, and thou shalt teach them. This is a big word right here. Diligently. Like this isn't once every few days just passing by and say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He said, I want you to teach it to your children diligently because we are trying to create a culture. There is a culture of God's people that we are, we're trying to create here. That your children always need to know there is a difference between us and them. He said, I want you to teach your children diligently. I want you to talk about it while you're sitting in, sitting in your house. When you walk about the way, when you lie down, when you get up, bind it for them as a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thy eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Notice this language right here. It's generational. Gave it to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. These are the patriarchs. To give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not. This is important that he speaks of it from this directive. That God wants to do something generationally in the culture of who you are. And you've got to be intentional about that. You've got to be intentional when you get up. Intentional when you go about your way. Intentional when you go to bed. I want you to tell your children about this. Now, what I'm going to preach to you tonight, some of you are going to wonder what in the world I'm talking about. But we're going to get there together. I'm going to preach to you about feminized fish and the power of pollution. Feminized fish and the power of pollution. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Now, I'm not a fisherman or the son of a fisherman. I am not uh, a fantastic fisherman. I like to fish, but I'm not, I don't consider myself to be no fisherman. I enjoy it when I do. But uh, I got to searching, and I like, you know me, I like to read weird stuff. And I heard a conversation about some things that's going on in God's creation with fish, so I started doing some research, and I'm about to share some stuff with you. If you want to go read it for yourself, you can find it. 
I got this information from fishbio.com, which has to do with fish biology. And uh, this article was published on Monday, September the 4th, 2017. But it said that pollution in the environment can take many forms from physical trash to invisible chemicals. Once it enters a waterway, chemical pollution can spread over great distances and pose harm to aquatic species. While humans have the ability to pick up and physically move away from an unfavorable environment, such as leaving a heavily air-polluted city for one with cleaner air, escape is not possible for fish in polluted water. In recent years, attention has been focused on substances discharged into the environment Somebody say the culture. That can disrupt the normal endocrine or the hormone function of fish and wildlife. Stay with me here for just a minute. One bizarre characteristic of fish that have been exposed to hormone disrupting water pollution is the presence of female egg cells growing in the testes of male fish. It is a condition that's known as intersex. Intersex fish are occurring around the globe, even in wildlife refugees, illustrating uh, the power of aquatic pollution to infiltrate even supposedly pristine areas. The occurrence of feminized fish has been associated with affluent discharges into waterways from treated sewage. Everybody say, ooh. The main chemical response for feminizing fish is ethanol estradiol, a synthetic hormone that is found in birth control pills that women excrete. Ethanol estradiol is not only potent, but it's extremely difficult to remove from wastewater, leading to the chemicals slipping through treatment plants and ending up in natural waterways. It has become a global problem with feminized male fish discovered. This is unbelievable. In at least 37 species of fish in lakes and rivers around the world. Now follow this with me right here very closely because I'm going to preach on this in a minute. Even protected, supposedly pristine areas are not free from the intersex phenomenon. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service studied 19 national wildlife refuges in the northeastern United States and found that 60 to 100 percent of the examined male smallmouth bass displayed intersex characteristics. The presence of feminized fish in protected areas such as refuges suggest that pollution may be more pervasive than previously thought. It's not just happening in open waters. It's happening in the refuge where they thought they would be exempt from it. They said there was really no way to stop the downstream issues that have been produced, even in protected areas. Due to runoffs from farms and towns, they said, we've even seen it happening upstream 
Are you hearing what I'm telling you tonight? In an article I found on the popular science website today written by Eric Hagerman in 2009, he said, scientists don't know whether the growing number of feminized fish could hinder reproduction enough to, and I quote, disturb the rest of the ecosystem or even drive bass into extinction. Given that intersex fish were found both upstream and downstream of wastewater treatment plants, some think that this is due to agricultural runoff and that this could be the cause. What is this? This is the problem where people are trying to chemically affect the harvest. When living downstream doesn't affect you, people who have tried to manipulate the harvest can affect you. There is an issue in the male fish in our waters and ecosystems that they have been affected by the pollution that's flowing into their ecostructure and into the culture in which they live that has caused the male fish to stop being able to reproduce another generation. The culture has been disrupted by waste and waste has created the conundrum that there may be species of fish that are literally on the brink of being extinct if they don't figure out how to keep pollution out of the system. I'm not here tonight to preach about pollution. I'm here tonight to preach to you about the feminizing of fish, a culture that has been disrupted by outside sources that have kept them from regenerating and replenishing the way that they were created to replenish. It has affected the reproductive organs of an entire species that can no longer do what they were created to do because of outside things that have affected their culture I'm here to preach tonight on this Father's Day to this precious church that we were commanded to tell our children in the morning we were commanded to tell our children in the afternoon we were commanded to tell our children at the night time when we lay them down for bed I'm here to tell you I want the next generation to be exposed to this culture Now put your seatbelt on for just a moment. I want to tell you that fish are not the only male species being feminized. We live in a day and age where this whole system of God's structure is out of alignment. And you cannot even preach biblical alignment without people thinking that you're a sexist. God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of the church. Come on, somebody. The church is the head of the man, and the man is the head of the woman. This is not Pentecostal structure, it's biblical structure. 
God said we got to keep some things in alignment or the next generation is going to be greatly affected. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, we are in a terrible mess when we've got all the women are doing all the leading and all the praying and all the fasting. We need some mighty men of God in this generation that have the ability to reproduce men of war, that have the ability to reproduce prayer warriors, that has the ability to reproduce worshipers, that has the ability to reproduce men that know how to be men of God and stand in the face of this crazy cultural chaos. As I was reading, I couldn't help but get my mind focused on this agricultural runoff problem. Not all of it, and forgive, forgive my, my words here, may sound a little crude, but not all of this is just caused by mess. Some of this is caused by harvest that has been manipulated. And I want to tell you it has created issues in the church when men fail to be men of God. And they stand in the pulpit feminized in their spirit. This doesn't, this doesn't, this is not an attack on femininity. Matter of fact, we need it. We need women to be feminine and we need men to be men. But I want to take you to, I want to take you to a place in the garden where there was a man who refused to stand and be the priest of his home. And his wife is engaging in a conversation with a serpent that should have never happened if Adam would have taken the dominion and authority that God had given him and told that serpent, get out of my house, get out of my vineyard, get out of my garden. You do not have dominion here. And you are not welcomed here. We, we've got a generation of preachers that have stepped to their pulpits and have tried to take everything powerful away from this precious gospel and doctrine that we hold so near and dear to our hearts. I want to preach to you tonight and tell you that in the culture of the church, Calvary was never meant to be beautiful. Calvary was never meant to be feminized. Calvary was never meant to be painted up and painted over. Calvary was never meant to be something to just play on the heartstrings of people. I want to tell you that Calvary was cruel. Calvary was a place of breaking. Calvary was a bloody place. It was a place of darkness. It was a place that's so critical to where we are tonight to understand that Calvary was not about me feeling temporary relief. Calvary was not about me coming to church and staying in the same shape that I'm in. But Calvary was so that you and I could have full dominion over sin and be delivered from the powers of darkness. I have been seeking God about the future of the church and what that looks like. And some time ago, I got, I got hooked up on this deal preaching about the subculture of Pentecost. I talked about it a lot. It was on my mind a whole lot. And for some reason, the last few weeks, it's just really been stirring in my spirit. 
and I'm going to preach to you tonight as your pastor. I'm going to preach to you some things that God's been dealing with me in my heart about. But if I could say it to you like this from the understanding of what I'm preaching to you tonight. Everything in the church is becoming dumbed down and stripped away in our society. We don't worship like we used to worship. People say it makes them uncomfortable. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times in the last couple of years I've been asked the question, are you one of them hellfire preachers? Are you one of them hellfire and brimstone preachers? And the only answer I really have is I, I'm, just, I'm a Bible preacher. No, I, I mean, that's a novel idea. Just, just preach the Bible. But I, I'm going to tell you what, what's so frustrating about this is what people are saying when they, what they're really saying when they say they don't want no hellfire brimstone preacher is they don't like being made uncomfortable in the shape they're in. I'm going to preach to you tonight now, so just stay with me right here. But I want to tell you, just because you find a feminized pastor that tells you it's okay, it doesn't mean that God has changed his mind about his word. Just because you find a man that says, oh, God don't care about that, he don't speak for what God cares about if it's contrary to the word of God. I've come to tell you, he still cares about worship. He still cares about holiness. He still cares about separation. And the agricultural runoff of this it's going to sound negative. I, man, I don't, I don't want to be negative tonight. But what's happened is the agricultural runoff of this chemically imbalanced, messed up harvest system has began sweeping even over the refuge of Pentecost. Where we have tried to keep our kids sheltered in a refuge, in a safe place from this crazy world. We've tried to get them away from really being downstream from all of the mess that's being introduced. But I want to tell you that the problem that I've been seeing, and I believe I could stand before God and tell you this tonight, is that the apostolic church has been dancing too close to the edge of the refuge. And we have, we have begun swimming parties that weren't necessarily in the downstream, but they're close enough to the culvert that there's some overflow. We're, we're, living, we're living in a place where we're allowing our worship services and our church meetings and our gatherings to be dictated and predicated upon everything that modern mega churches and religious churches are doing. But I want to tell you tonight, we got to be very careful the things that we allow upstream from the church because if we're not careful, it's going to end up, it's going to end up interfering in the harvest of what God's doing. And before before you know it, we're going to deal with a generation that does not know how to reproduce the supernatural in our meetings. I, I wouldn't want to embarrass him tonight, but I was talking with Brother Atkins this morning. He told me he was in a conversation this week with a man that told him, and he can tell you I'm telling the truth. A man told him, he said, I can take you to somebody that will teach you how to speak in tongues. Is that right? He said, you don't have to be taught to speak in tongues. 
He told him, he said, brother, it's something that comes up out of you. He said, it's something when the spirit gets on you, it just comes up out of you. He said, that man, that man told him, that man told him, you don't have to have the Holy Ghost to be saved. He said, brother, you got to have it. He said, you got to have the spirit in you because that's what's going to lift you up out of here. I want to tell you that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is going to quicken your mortal body. You must be born again. I'm going to pass you for a minute tonight, but I want to tell you. You got to be careful what you let your kids listen to. When I was a kid, my parents had to fight like boys to men, Mariah Carey. Don't need to be listening. I'm going to tell you what scares me to death right now are the things that are on Christian labels. Man, I'm already deep. I might as well preach. I probably made two or three of you mad, so I'm going to keep preaching. I don't want somebody singing into my kid's soul that's just waiting on a crossover record deal and they sign with Christian music until they can get a release. I'm, I'm not, I am not, this is not about poor, poor old crucified pastor, okay? But our, our staff and our preachers can tell you that I literally almost got hung up and crucified verbally by a group of people because I wasn't willing when, Con when Kanye West said that he was a Christian. That I wasn't willing to just jump up and down and high five and say, well, praise the Lord there, Elder Kanye. And they're like, you, 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 you got to celebrate when they're coming our way. I said, you need to quit using salvific language. You're not a Christian because you say you are. You're a Christian when you've been born again. You're a, you're a Christian. They were called Christians first at Antioch. And every one of them at Antioch had repented of their sins and were baptized in Jesus' name and were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm not a Christian because I say I am. I'm a Christian because I am. Well, you're, you're, you're just, you know, I, I mean, I, that, that was in 2019. And I, I made a simple statement at a meeting. I said, if I had the opportunity to talk to Kanye tonight, I'd say, man, I'm so happy for you. But God has more for you. Is that something we've got to be ashamed of? We've got to keep that in the culture of who we are. We don't start flippantly using salvific language just because somebody says they love Jesus. God have mercy. 
I want to tell you, we got to be careful at what's affecting the culture and the dynamic of what the church is. I, as the watchman on the wall of this church, refuse to posture and position this church at the base of a tributary where false doctrine is flowing down water, where compromise is flowing through the stream. Where acceptance of everything that calls itself holy as being holy is not. It's not holy because it says it's holy. It's holy when God says it's holy. This world is feminizing fish. It's bringing us to a place where we don't know how to reproduce the apostolic. There's some, there's some trades that are going on. It, it, it's just like when the temple was rebuilt. And the old men were standing around weeping. They, they, they weren't weeping because they were happy. They were weeping because of what was missing. And the young men were rejoicing because it was done. They were rejoicing because they got through a building project. And I don't blame them. That'll make a man happy. It's one of the greatest things that'll ever happen in your life, thank God. But the young men were standing around rejoicing because they didn't know the difference. I just preached a mouthful right there. It was a generation that was rejoicing because they didn't know the difference in the fire that was on the altar and the fire that was on the first altar. That first altar was a little different because that fire came directly from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. And they told the priest to keep the fire burning so that they could have incense and sacrifice. And the young men were rejoicing. Hey, we've got fire. We've got fire. But where did it come from? Who manipulated it? Who started it? Where did it come from? And if we're not careful, we will posture ourselves downstream to rejoicing over the fact that there's a flame in the house. But I'm telling you, I don't want strange fire in this church. I don't want just any fire in this church. I want the fire of the Holy Ghost. I don't want denominational fire. Are you hearing what I'm telling you tonight? I'm not here tonight looking for Catholic fire, Baptist fire, Methodist fire. I'm looking for Holy Ghost fire. I'm looking for power. I'm talking about that kind of Holy Ghost that'll pick you up and turn you around and place your feet on a solid rock. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. Put our children downstream from voices that says God just wants you to be happy. God have mercy. So do whatever you want to do. Marry whoever you want. Live however you want to live. Go wherever you want to go. But as long as you profess. You know sometimes I really do wonder. If people ever read the book of James. It's so dangerous. You, I want you kids to hear me tonight. 
And you can tell your parents this too, but I want you to hear me. It is so dangerous picking scriptures and putting them in, making you a scripture salad of what kind of doctrine you want to build. If you, if you can't grab that scripture and connect it with three, four, five other scriptures, it is not doctrinally sound. All you got to do is just believe in Jesus and you're saved. Well, I want you to know, James said then that Lucifer is saved. He said, because the devil, not just Lucifer, but all his little imps too. He said, the de- you believe in one God and you do well. He said, the devils also believe and they tremble. I want to tell you, we're all going to be shocked when we get up there and the devil and a bunch of fallen angels are standing there because they believe. We've got to reach over into Acts 19 if we're going to have a culture of Pentecost. And we're going to have to pull it over here and say, all right, is believing enough? Under what were you baptized? Under John's baptism. Then you got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Have you received the Holy Ghost? We didn't know there was a Holy Ghost. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? I'm talking about a culture in the church that's being disrupted. And I'm going to tell you what happens, okay? Are you all with me tonight? They gave me the pulpit early, so you may feel like we've been here a long time, but we're going to do our best to get you through. I want you to stay with me right here. I'm going to tell you what happens when we allow the upstream culture to affect what we're doing as the body. By the time it feminizes fish, it's already so late in the game that it's hard to recover. And what happens is there's so much pressure from culture, and and I, I need you to be sensitive with me right here, that everything that used to be balanced, everything that used to be straightforward, everything that used to be holy, everything that used to be righteous, is now called hatred. The people in this nation that used to be considered moderate people are now, all this world wants you to think that it's just hate speech. Just today, I watched the video of a man in Pennsylvania that was standing on the street corner and of course I understand everything's in context and I wasn't there for the 10 minutes before or whatever but he was standing on the street corner and he had a sign hanging over him during a a pride parade that just had scripture on it and he stood out there in the middle of this parade by himself saying hateful things like God loves you saying things like God wants to heal you God wants to change your life Jesus died for you I mean hateful things as the people in the parade were sneering, screaming, cursing, cussing flipping off 
screaming and yelling. And this police officer turned around and said, get out of here. He said, sir, I'm not doing anything. He said, I'm just standing there talking about God. And the officer walked over and arrested him, put his hands behind his back and hauled him off. I'm not trying to make you mad and inside anger. I'm trying to tell you, we got to be careful what we put upstream. Because if we're not careful, we're going to start sympathizing. We're going to start sympathizing with things that God despises. We're in a dangerous place when preference takes precedence over sound doctrine. Do you know how strong the first century church felt about doctrine? Can I tell you, we, we don't need a bunch of jelly back, weak need guys feminizing the gospel. You know how the first century church felt the apostle said, I don't care if it's a man or an angel. If they come preaching any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached. Pastor, why do you keep preaching this? Because I love my city. And I love these sweet people in this city. And I don't want them to find some feminized doctrine that's going to send them. I'm going to tell you, when people get desperate, they're going to come looking for truth. I'm not saying this to be ugly at all tonight, and I mean that sincerely. But when people get desperate, they're going to give up on the donut clubs. They're, they're going to give up on the religious cafe. They're going to stop picking churches on who's got the best coffee blend in their lobby. And they're, they're going to start finding somewhere where the truth can make them free. And they can be picked up out of the miry clay. God help us create a culture that we can reproduce the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm hurrying tonight. I got to get where I'm going in a hurry. But I want to tell you that if this story, this study, this, these articles, I read several different ones that were all speaking the same language. I wanted to be sure that it wasn't just some goofball. But this is, this is basically, this is the summation of everything that they're saying. This, I've got studies from 2009 all the way to 2017. And this is what they're saying. It doesn't matter how far downstream you are. At some point, it will, it will be affected. And on this Father's Day, all I could think of was the prodigal in Luke chapter 15. That the Bible said when he left his father's house, he went and joined himself to a citizen of a, of a far country. His daddy had made up his mind, if you're going to live that kind of life, it's going to be a long ways from here. You're going to have to go to a far, are you hearing what I'm telling you tonight? You're going to have to go to a far country to find, well, I don't want my kids to be so sheltered. Folks, listen, I don't want to have to eat this, but I'm telling you, when it comes to being sheltered from this world, you can't be too sheltered. You, you, 
You just can't. I'm not saying you don't have to leave room in, in your theology for some reality. I mean, people are people and humans are humans. And, and, and you know, I, I mean, I wish I could tell you all these, all these kids in this church are perfect, but they're not. I mean, mine are, but <laughs> smile. It ain't going to break your face. Come on, somebody. Some of you sit there and look like you're mad at God and everybody else. I'm going to tell you right now, listen. Our, ki- our kids need to be in a refuge. They need to be in a safe place. Well, pastor, I mean, the, the thing about it is they're, they're going to they're see it. You know, they're, they're going to see it, so I might as well just expose them to it. You better keep them as far away from it as you can. Man, I want to be really, really careful right here. I, I was talking with a man the other day, and he said, Hey, have you seen such and such on Netflix? I said, No, sir. I just let, I said, No, sir. Man, you ain't never seen that. No, sir. He said, well, go on there and just search it. I said, I, I can't. He's like, what? I was like, I, I don't have Netflix. He said, you don't have Netflix? I said, no, sir. I, you know, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be nice. I'm like, no, sir. He's like, man, you got to get it. We watch it all the time. I'm like, I, I know. <laughs> we can all tell. And finally, one of the guys that was standing there with, with me, he kind of knew where I was going. He's like, bro, it might be on like Amazon or something like that. You can... I'm like, do they have it at the library? <laughs> All right, then, let's get down to brass tacks. Why don't you have it? Well, because first time they put a show out saying Jesus Christ was a homosexual, they weren't getting another dime from me. <laughs> I was being real. Like, I'm, I'm not going to walk around and act like I'm some spiritual dude. And tell people, that I, I guard myself, I don't have cable. Just be honest. Like, let's not dance around with words. We're either being entertained by it, we're downstream from it, or we're not. Man, this just went, boom. I'm going to tell you what's going to start happening when you let Jesus come sit on that sofa by you. You're going to start feeling little twinges of conviction in your heart that says, I know I don't believe in that. Can I just preach to y'all like I love you right now and just tell you, you absolutely cannot tell your kids that you stand against something if you're willing to send them to their room so you can sit in the living room and watch somebody do it. Talking about a culture. I made the mistake one time of telling my mom, we were on the evangelistic field. 
we were still living in our trailer. And I came in, I told her, I said, Mom, you ain't going to believe what so-and-so said. And she said, what? I said, you ain't going to believe what they said? She said, well, what would they say? So I told her. <laughs> Looking back on that, there was probably a more proper way to <laughs> rightly divide the context. <laughs> I mean, she said, what would they say? So I, you know, I told her. And that conversation is the reason why I hate Tabasco to this day. <laughs> Anybody that knows me knows I love hot food. I like it as hot as I can get it. I love every kind of hot sauce. But if I go somewhere and say, y'all have hot sauce, and they say, I, we, Tabasco, I say, no thanks. <laughs> I don't like it. Because Tabasco's got cuss words connected to it. We've, ra we've, we've raised a generation of kids telling, you don't have to be afraid of nothing. We've raised a generation of kids that said, if they tell you something that you don't like, you don't, you don't have to respect them. Now, now we wonder why nationwide they're wanting to defund police. I watched a student the other day in a, in, a, in a classroom walk up and just punch their teacher right in the face, knock them out cold. Anybody seen that? You know why? Because that's the downstream culture. So what are we going to do, Pastor? Well, we're going to keep we're going to keep a whole nother culture, and that culture is going to have to stay the same. I know this is probably a foreign concept, but LeBan, you know it's the truth. If somebody got on to us at church, then we got in trouble when we got home too. I'm being honest. And, and Brother McLean, your wife was part of the reason I got whoopings at home. If she got on to me, then... My mom and dad didn't say, well, next time Jeannie says something to you, you come straight to me and let me know. Hey, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. You're going to feminize the fish. My, my, my parents were raised in a generation. If you got a whooping at school, am I telling the truth? You got a whooping when you got home. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm talking about things that used to keep us balanced. Now it's just hatred. We used to be able to stand on that, that balanced line. And you know what? My mom and I, we've had conversations about this. You know, she's, she's told me to the years, son, I was, probably, I was probably too hard on you. So I, I probably did whoop you a little bit too much. And I'm like, thank God she finally sees it. Uh -huh. 
Folks, I'm standing here honest before God tonight to tell you, I do not despise my parents for the way that I was raised. I don't. I thank God for it. I, I, thank, I thank the Lord that my mom and dad took me to places in my life and said, there's too much danger in the downstream, son. So we're going to move you complete. We're not, we're not getting close to it. I, there was a Christian artist that came to Indianapolis and was doing a concert, and my mother called other pastors and got counsel on whether or not we could go to a Christian concert before she said yes. Ain't I pitiful? Do you know why? I, I mean, you can't legislate righteousness. I'm hurrying. I got man. I know you can't legislate righteousness. But I look back on my childhood, and I know why some of them old-timers preached against everything. I do. Because they knew if you ever give the devil an inch... I thank God that I was raised in a refuge. God have mercy. You've probably heard me tell this story before, but if you're new here and you've never heard it, I'll connect a couple quick dots and i got to get out. But in 1929, this church was started by a young couple and a 17-year-old girl that, that came here, Sister Angie Jordan, came with them from Medora, Indiana. Her daughter, Sister Juanita Jordan, I had the blessing of pastoring her so I I pastored the daughter of one of the first three saints that came to this church sister Juanita and I want to tell you those old timers are made of some different stuff I was her pastor so I went up to the hospital when she was dying before before they got the drugs cranked up you know where she couldn't talk and and all that she was still communicating and I went up there and I sat down next to her bed and I thought I was going to minister to her. Brother Shaw, she started, started preaching to me a little bit. She said, Pastor St. Clair, she said, you don't, you don't drop a white glove in a mud puddle and the mud get glovey. That's what she said. She said, the glove is going to get muddy. Sister Juanita looked at me and she said, don't you ever quit preaching. I don't know how all that works and I very seriously doubt that they can hear what I'm preaching tonight. But I want to say, to, I want to say tonight to the old timers, I appreciate everything you stood for. I appreciate everything you loved. I appreciate this holiness message that you held on to until your dying breath. And if God will be my help, I'm going to hold on to it. And I'm going to preach it until the rapture of the church or until the Lord calls me out of here. And I'm going to do everything I can to keep this church out of the street. You can stand. I, I, I got to quit. Honest to God, I could preach forever tonight because I'm, I'm struggling with the culture of the church.
I'm struggling. I'm, I'm struggling with the fact that we're trying to duplicate things that God didn't want us to duplicate. And we've, we've forgotten how to imitate and duplicate the things that he wanted us to. And so now, since we don't remember how to duplicate it, we're trying to fabricate it. I'm telling you, the culture of the church at the end time when the Lord comes back is going to be miracles. Signs, wonders, the new birth, the revelation of who God is, it's all still going to be there. I, 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 we're, we're streaming, so I, I always try to guard what I'm saying. But I stood recently in a service where there was a mighty move of God transpiring. And I looked around and I saw the politicians standing around laughing, cutting up, telling jokes. And I saw, ki I saw kids weeping, crying, getting deliverance. The man of God that was standing next to me leaned over to me while we were praying for him. And he said, he said Brother St. Clair, I want to tell you. He said, some of these kids just think they're getting blessed. But you can see it on them right now. They're getting delivered. Yeah. While other people are standing laughing. <laughs> Y'all, we, we got to protect the culture. I'm not on some candy stick tonight. I don't want to be in a culture where my kids walking around calling all the elders by their first name. God, help us. There's a culture that we got to protect because you're, you're setting people up for something. Why, why do you think it's necessary to call somebody brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so? Because we, we are positioning people. We're, we're positioning them in a different way. I, my, my wife can tell you this, honest to God, I'm in my 40s. And I sat with a pastor the other night who's, who's not a whole lot older than me. And I called him, I called him Brother So-and-so. He looked at me and said, you don't have to call me that. And I said, yes, sir, I do. He, said, he started laughing. He said, man, no, really, it, it's no big deal. I said, sir, you don't understand. You're a man of God. And I honor you. And I respect you. Why, why is that important? Because there's a culture. That's just stupid, Pastor, to you. But to those that understand, it's a refuge from the downstream. I want it to be so natural that we just we just reproduce a generation of apostolics that we don't have to sit around and tell stories about how it used to be all the time and then hope someday they get to see it. I just want to be exposed to it. I, I don't ever want to make jokes about angels in the church. I, it, it works. It's still there. It's It's real. I mean, I just raised my kids, Brother Snow, expecting that like any night you may wake up in the middle of the night, feel the presence of the Lord, and there may be an angel standing in your room. 
preach all night. I just... If we win the greatest harvest we've ever seen, but we introduce them to a tributary that is completely unrecognizable from the first century church, what have we accomplished? I'm, I'm talking about a, a culture like, and, and I, I can't, I can't just chase all that. But you, like my kids just knew, if somebody gives you a dollar, you bring a dime to Jesus. You don't take it to that money-hungry preacher, right? You don't give it to that church that always wants no. Somebody blesses me with five bucks. Fifty percent of that, fifty cents of that, is is God's, right? We we get up here on this stream that says all these preachers are just money hungry. All they care about is money. All they care about is money, money, money. And you put your kids over and let them splash around in the puddle a little bit. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to feminize the fish. And there won't be another generation of what we've got. But I was raised with an old hard-headed, ball-headed preacher that would look at me driving down the road and he'd say, Luke... The apostolic church is one generation from extinction. That's how I was raised. He would look at me and say, son, somebody's going to backslide five minutes before Jesus comes. He would look at me and say, every time you preach, there ought to be one God in it somewhere. I don't even know if he remembers it. Me and Brother Bingham had a conversation some time ago. And he said, dude, you just don't hear a lot of Jesus preaching anymore. My God, what are we doing? We're going to raise a generation that says it's just semantics. You say there's three, I say there's one. It's all the same. No, there's not. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Tell that to your kids every morning, every afternoon, and every night. He said it's so valuable. I want you to put it on your body. I want you to make it part of the structure of your house. Folks, listen. I'm, I'm done. Sometimes I really do wonder what people think I have to gain. I think people really think sometimes that I get a bonus if I preach on holiness. Because they'll say, man, they, they just, they just want to control you. Really? <laughs> you think I just want, I want the stress of controlling people. I'm going to tell you what stress I don't want. I don't want the stress of judgment day. And somebody looking at me and saying, you never told me. I came to your church, but you never preached it. God's blessing this church. Come here, brother. Come here. It's one of the 
best gifts God gave us out of the flood in this church. I never dream. Come here, Sister Donna. Come here. I love you, sweet people. I stood in this sanctuary on Christmas Day crying. I said, God, what are you doing? It's Christmas Day. And I was like, I had on my cowboy boots, and the water was over the top of my feet. And I stood in this church and I cried. And I was like, this is so dumb. But the Sunday night after Christmas. I said, Lord, order our steps and help us find somewhere where we can have church on Sunday night. And this sweet little family came to that Sunday night service. Come here, girls. Come on. I want you to know Pastor loves you. This is my blood family. I don't want God to bring these precious people this church only for them to get here and find out that I've compromised on everything I believed they get here when they get anywhere else in town you know what there's got to be a refuge I love y'all I thank God for you going to camp next week I remember your first camp came to school at PCA heard these kids talking about youth camp he said um, what is this camp and I'm, I'm not going to lie Sister Colleen me and my wife said oh my god what are we going to do? We're going to run this family off. He was like, I would like to go. And my wife said, we'll talk with your mom. Dude, that was one of the happiest days of my life. When I looked out there on the campground, he was out there playing ball, running around, sweating. But that night we went to church for the tunnel. Brother Tuttle got to preaching. And I looked over there on the left side of the church. And Liam had found the refuge. Tears. There were so many people I couldn't hardly get to him. Sneaking over through the crowd, he came up after church. He said, Pastor, I got the Holy Ghost tonight. are just too close-minded okay I'll, I'll take it if that's what you want to call me call me but 
I want my kids to be able to walk through this world and say there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you. God help us to raise a generation that can reproduce the apostolic. Lord, for our guests that are here tonight, I pray that your spirit would speak to their hearts where they would understand what I'm preaching. This world is not our home. We're not going to be here forever. God, there's not multiple paths to you. You said, Jesus, that you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life, and no man comes to the Father but by you. You're the only way here. I pray, God, that we would, we would keep ourselves in a place that even though the residue of this world may try to creep in, we have positioned ourselves in a refuge. God, we're not isolating ourselves from the world. We're insulating ourselves. We're not hiding from the world, Lord, but we're separating ourselves to you and telling men, come see about a man that can change your life. Lord, you've put us in a place to tell the world it's better in the house of God. It's better sheltered in the arms of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, Brother St. Clair, if, if we take everybody out of the schools and shelter our kids, then... They're not going to know what's real in the world. You know, I'm going to take my chances. I'm going to take my chances. I'm going to shelter these sweet kids in this church for all I can. Come here, Chuck. This is my homie right here. Now, you be careful. Don't you start talking in tongues while I'm walking with you. He loves it. Who are you looking at? know what I don't call anybody Lish I don't call anybody you know that Josh but I I just get the feeling that there's something special on this boy <laughs> we get up here in chapel he gets to walk around back and forth makes me smile, then it makes me cry. God's up to something. And I'm going to keep my kids in the flow of it. I'm going to keep your kids in the flow of it, but I need you to help me. I need you right here. Every time the doors are open. Don't ever make your kids ask, hey dad, are we going to church tonight? No, we're not going to feminize the fish. Don't ever make your kids say, hey, well, we, got, we got plans on Sunday morning. Yeah, we do. We're going to the house of God. I love you, sweet people. I thought you don't even know how thankful I am. I thank God for you, sweet people. I thank the Lord for this great church. But we got to stay out of the flow of all this stuff that's trying to feminize the fish. I believe when the Lord comes back, he's going to find faith in Anderson. 